This week we have my beautiful girlfriend, Shaman. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Say hello to the audience. <laughs> Probably will be the. I say special guest. It will be the most special guest. Like you can't get any more special than that. Wow. Right. I'm so flattered right now. Unless I can get like Drake or something. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I'll go fuck myself then. <laughs> hey. Hey. Drake's pretty special. Yeah, dude. If I get Drake, mm. I feel like I've made it. We got that baby. Yeah. Anyways, so do you want to quickly talk about Drake? <laughs> yeah, I mean Drake, known him my whole life. You go way no, back. I'm talking about the, the condom thing. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I forgot about that. You want to just talk about Drake? Oh my god. Anyways, before we get into it, Drake in the news recently. Um, Wild. Was having um, some fun with the IG thought, right? Hey, yeah. She's not how you thought. Anyways, yeah. okay, whatever. A lady, a very respectable lady. And anyways, um, being Drake, you know, you got to take certain precautions. Um, he put Tabasco sauce in the condom to kill the sperm, right? Mm. Turns out this girl went to the rubbish bin, grabbed the condom, put it in, tried to put it in her v- vagina and, you know, started feeling a burning sensation. That's wild. I have so many questions. First mm. of all, it makes like, sense though. I 100% agree with him. I mean, it's pretty smart, like as in like self protection. Yeah. But like, girl, did you not see that like the cum was red? Yeah, but like, if, did you not see the red color of the? Yeah, but if you're in the moment, right? You're frantic. Like, this is Drake. I just fucked Drake. I, I want his baby because you know why they do it. To get pregnant, right? No, but it's not to get. That, I don't think they give a shit about getting pregnant. But you know why they they want his kids. Yeah, just secure the bag. Yeah. You know, like, the hustle. Yeah, right? Dude, <laughs> you secure a bag. Anyways, mm. I'm all in for Drake's side. Anyways, turns out she's suing Drake at the moment, which is, it's his property. What's, <laughs> like, the fuck? Wait, what's she suing him for? Like, I damage? Know, like, da- like, yeah, like assault or something. I don't know. I don't know the details of it. But anyways, mm. watch out there, gentlemen. Mm. To be fair, I don't think there's anyone watching my show that is, um... The girls are trying to get their cum. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have so many questions still. I'm yeah. still I'm still hung up on the fact that, like, how could you not, like, even if you're frantic. If I picked up, like, a used condom from the bin, which, first of all, why am I doing that? Yeah, but you're not looking Out at it. Out of pocket. Girl, if you're listening to this for some reason, do better. Yeah. You know? If you are watching this, <laughs> get hook me off, Jake. <laughs> Get Jake on the pod. <laughs> Get on your pod. Anyways, um, that's enough about Drake. That's enough about Drake. Mm. I was, it's been on my mind, so that's why I want to bring it up quickly. Mm. But anyways, I've got a special guest on today. My beautiful girlfriend, Shaman. And Samosa. And Samosa. Hey. And Winston Remy on the side, my dogs, but they're being little shit, so I've fenced them off. They're working the camera, actually. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They're the audio <laughs> tech. expanded the crew. They're the audio tech today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways. Um, come with people, girlfriend Sharma today. Late inclusion. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. I'm very excited to be here. Huge fan of Sunset Confessions. It better be. Have you been liking every week? Liking the viewers every week? Yeah. I mean, you've been forcing me to. Like to like. The grind's a grind. No, I mean, I've been liking it and genuinely from the soul, I've been really, really liking it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think these are really important conversations you're having. Um, it's really wholesome to see you connect with your friends on a deeper level. Yeah, so Thank I'm really you. excited to be on. Very nervous. How did you find the first three episodes? 
first three, very entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah, and very, very relatable as well. I think um, there's a quite a, quite an intersect between like um, like your culture and my culture and our experiences growing up here in Nam. Um, yeah, it's so very relatable. Mm. Yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been really good. Um, it's been a fun project. Mm. Been a fun project. First time really that you know. I really speak to any of these people like so far. Thank you to Dave, Kev, and NJ. Nejeko, I mean. That's it. Nejeko, thank you for coming on. Um, appreciate them because, you know, it's not, it's actually, again, this is our second time filming this. Hey! <laughs> You're going to expose me like that. Okay, anyways. But I'm trying so hard not to look at him, guys. The first time, it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> like sweating even now i can't make eye contact you look so radiant and just lighting thank you look over and i'm just like damn i fall apart i'm a mess guys but um i'll hold it together this episode yeah it's i think you do it you, you do it fine but anyways look it's not easy getting up on the couch and yeah props to your guests i really thought yeah. like oh yeah you just come on and you have a chat mm. um but yeah it's hard guys so shout out yeah like yeah a lot of the time you know you think Okay, you're just talking in the mic and so mm. on, but it actually does take a lot of courage and it's it's a skill to be able to talk. Mm. It, and it's bravery to it. Yeah. You know, some of the conversations that I've had with, you know, Kev and NJ and Dave, um, it's not easy to talk about mm. some of those things. And again, being as guys, we've never in our lives even um, talked about those things before. Mm. It takes a lot of vulnerability. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? It's a good thing because, yeah. yeah, you know, as guys, we definitely do need to be more vulnerable mm. um, to our friends and family. I believe. I think I think you miss out on a lot by not sharing those experiences mm. and feelings. Yeah, it's definitely a skill. Um, even being vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. A lot of time, you know, you're you're lying to yourself. Well, yeah, <laughs> Do you know calling I mean? it out. Yeah. yeah, because like a lot of times your feelings, if you're like sad and shit, you're, for example, say you're sad or, or happy. Mm. Mostly, if you're sad, you'll pretend like no, I'm not sad. You're you're trying to trick yourself. No, it's like I'm actually fine. Mm. But then sometimes you know you need to really. Sometimes if you're sad, you should really mm. accept it. You got to go through the process because then it's got to build up. And mm. I mean, not just sadness though, but even like other things like, um, I don't know accepting and being honest and open with yourself about the parts of yourself that you don't really like or the parts of yourself that you do like. I know growing up, that's something I struggled with with quite a bit. Like mm. um, I often saw um, mm, like being proud of yourself or like self-praise as kind of narcissistic. Mm, um, yeah. And I've made a complete like 180 now. I'm <laughs> such a big <laughs> narcissist. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, – that d- definitely is like it, it takes a lot to be vulnerable with yourself and it's actually interesting since dating you I've I always thought I was quite like open with myself and quite vulnerable and I always thought I knew who I was um I always thought I was really in tune with myself and then it wasn't until yeah we started dating and um you're quite I think I feel very safe being emotionally vulnerable with you mm. um sharing all aspects of myself whether or not I like it or not. Um, 
I, I've come to realize that, wow, no, there's actually a lot that I don't know about myself. Like you've made me realize so many, there's so many aspects to myself that I didn't even know that were there. Yeah. But to counteract your mm. point, mm. I was never like that in the right. first place. So I think it was just, you know, meeting you. Oh, really? Was I the catalyst? I guess so. You know, you're like two, oh. two peas in a pod. But yeah, like, look, again, previously uh, I wasn't very comfortable in talking about like my feelings and stuff like that. But once you're comfortable with yourself, then you start to realize, you know, certain things should be accepted. You know, I always yeah. tell you that, you know, I'll love you for the bad. I'm not the bad, like when you're not at your 100%. Mm. And and you're at hundred percent. It's true, guys. He's so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> but yeah, like mm. you know, like you always have like self. You used to. I don't know if you still do or not, but you still always have like self doubt. Like, hey, am mm. I, um, am I being the person that he wants me to be? Right. We had this conversation before. Yeah. Well, yeah. really get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and I always tell you, mm. you know, that's not the person that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the person that, you know, the, I, the shaman I know. You don't have to change yourself in order to be me. Like, no, change yourself in order to, to you know, to a girl that I you think I want. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, guys, give me one second. Yeah. She's actually blushing, but because she's so dark. Yeah, you wow, can't, it's true though. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. Yeah. yeah, if you were like a pasty white guy right now, oh, like I'd a, be red all over. Yeah, like, red over. Yeah, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, be a lobster. Mm. Um, oh, hang on, getting, <laughs> getting stumbling over my words. Damn. Um, yeah, I think when I um, first like started seeing people again after I broke up with my ex, my housemate gave me really good advice. Um, shout out Shireen, <laughs> which was um, along the lines of basically like. Um, just be yourself and it sounds really basic but um, she was telling me about her experience and how um, when she first like started going back into dating she really just wanted to be her most authentic self because that's the easiest person to be yeah. rather than trying to keep up this image of like I don't know the, yeah, cool, girl, the cool girl yeah whatever that's what um, just a nice sidetrack mm. that's what I this is what I believe especially in when you're dating someone mm. Especially if, okay, I only speak for a guy point of view. A lot mm. of guys a bit younger will uh, portray a persona that they think the girl is once. Mm. The girl wants, I don't know, say like a sporty, tough guy or say a really smart guy or whatever, right? But if you're not that, then it's got to come out eventually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Okay, say you do bag the girl, mm. right? She goes out of you. What, are you going to... Put that facade on for the rest of the time you're in a relationship. Yeah. You're just so, gonna be unhappy. Yeah, exactly, right. It's exhausting. So, yeah. So that's why I like I would tell like anyone watching that, you know, if you're into certain passions, I already said this previously in the previous pod, you know, if you like again, you like Harry Potter, which I do. Mm. <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, if you like Harry Potter, you know, if I can lean into it. And if she, mm. if she doesn't like it, then that's not the girl for you. Yeah, T. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and yeah, like, 
I know it sounds so basic, like just be yourself, like duh. Mm. But I think it's quite natural for everybody, no matter how confident you are, to kind of put on a bit of this persona or facade um, to attract someone. Because the truth is, like, we don't have our shit together. Nobody really has their shit together. They, it seems like it, but they pro- like they don't. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you're spending twenty four seven with yourself, so you know, like, how much of your shit you don't have together. And then when you see other people, and you only see like only part of them, especially with stuff like social media, you're like, it's so curated. You're seeing only like it's a very controlled image of someone. Yes. You can't help but compare yourself and think. I'm getting really sidetracked here. (laughs) But yeah, I think like, oh my God, this person has it all together. This person's this, this, and this, and I'm not that. I have all these like flaws and, you know, all this shit. Um, But yeah, just owning that shit, just being yourself. um, It's so freeing. And yeah, when when I first started dating you, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to be myself. Um, I'm going to own it. And I still struggle with it. And I still Mm. do, um, even though we've been dating for a little bit. Um, and I tell you, I tell you every time, you know, don't, you don't have to worry about being, you know, the, the cool bad bitch that you <laughs> I am be. a cool bad you bitch. You are, you hey, are. Hey, no, hey, she hey. is, she is, she is. <laughs> I apologize, sir. <laughs> I apologize. I'll let it go just this one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, yeah, again, you know, to the worst of the world, sure, you can do, you know, be, give off the persona, whatever you want, but mm-hmm. to my, like me, um, you don't have to, you know? Yeah. It's not really what I'm looking for. Thanks, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one thing that really stuck out to me, um, one thing I think about all the time is, I mean, when you first start dating someone, naturally, you want to be better for them. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're dating the right person, you just want to be a better person for yourself, for them. You know, you just have this new zeal for life. Um, and I remember saying this to you, um, how like, oh, I want to be better. Like, so much I want to work on and improve. And... Um, like you told me, like, do you remember this? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, like you're perfect as you are. Watching saying that. I did say that. Yeah, I did say that. And I just had this moment of like, oh, and yeah, you said that. Like, you know, I fell in love with you as you are. Um, yeah. Again, like people have to realize no one's perfect, right? Life mm-hmm. is a continual journey of learning and self-discovery, and you know all that bullshit and stuff like that. But it's true, mm. right? So if you're, if you're meeting someone, a girl, and she's saying that, no, she's perfect, like, right now, mm. well, then what is there left to be excited about mm. and This grow? reminds me, this is another thing. I, I remember, like, very, very early on, I think this was, like, the second night we, like, hung out. Yes. Um, I asked you about this Japanese philosophy of life, and I don't remember it now, but it was something about, like, it was like the stages of life. Yeah. Right? And just like achieving everything, like finding your purpose, achieving your passion. I remember asking for your hot take on it and you gave me the most wise answer. I was blown away, but um, you said something along the lines of like, you know, it's an ongoing process, like, you know, finding your purpose, finding perfection, achieving your perfect life. It's like an ongoing process. Yeah. I, yeah. I pretty much said that. I think the teaching was along the along lines of you know finding your again your passion and your purpose and stuff like that, mm. and you know re- the meaning of life, right? All that crap. Um, but I said to you, to be honest, like the only time that you, that should stop is when you die, mm. like because if say you reach that at forty, what are you gonna do with your fifties, sixties, and seventies and eighties? Mm. If you've reached your purpose in life, then yeah. what else is there left to do? But also, like, we're ever-changing human beings. Um, yeah. The things that we like today, we might not like tomorrow. 
you know, these things will change. Our purpose may change. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be a midwife um, and that's yeah. changed drastically. Um, yeah. And I think it's good to go with the change. But what I wanted to end off with um, our previous conversation is just, I think, being finding acceptance for who you are. Like, that's... Yeah, it's powerful stuff. That's really powerful. If you can, yeah. And that's if what, you- like, true love is, like, romantic or platonic. Like in my friendships as well, you know, I feel so passionate about the friendships that I have now. I'm mm. so grateful for them because I feel so accepted as a human being amongst my friends. They accept me as I am, flaws and everything. Yeah. And that's what every human being wants at the end of the day. Hey, from your parents, from your friendship groups, from your community, partner, your dogs. <laughs> yeah. Even bringing back to the friendship thing, you know, like especially with my boys, mm. um, everyone has a different careers and experiences life experiences and stuff but you don't love them for that Mm. you don't love someone because they're a doctor you don't love Mm. someone because they're whatever you love them regardless if they're rich poor whatever that's a true true Mm. friendship and every one of them you know like obviously you know some are doing better in life than others regarding career wise or you know Mm. relationship wise and stuff like that but you still love them regardless Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you accept them regardless. Yeah. You might and that's re- true friendship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like what I see personally is a lot of friendship groups, they're based on like material things. Right. Mm. So I'm friends with him because, you know, he has like high status mm. or with her because you know, she's a popular girl or stuff like that. Mm. It's not true friendship. No. Yeah. I feel like true friendship should be you love him. And you do anything for them regardless of, you know, whatever their social status or, you know, if they're homeless or bum or whatever, you still love them because they're your friend. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Deep stuff. Deep stuff. I think that's the main theme of um, your podcast, of a lot of our conversations, of um, what we've been talking about is connectedness. I think connectedness, deep connection, um, it's really powerful and... Yeah, that's what I feel like my purpose in life is or what I strive for, finding connection within my community, within yeah, my relationships, within myself, with my ancestors, with the land. Yeah, and uh, another thing, doing this part has been really um, really exciting, you know, like getting to know like people on different levels and stuff. Mm. But there's still a part of me, like the younger self. I know, I know my younger self where being, you know, a guy would have been like, oh, like, why are you talking about your feelings for? Doing like, that's, that's stupid. Do you still feel that way? I don't. Okay. But. Like a part of you? No, it's not a part of me, but I do know that that part of me existed, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, again, I just want to like tell everyone who's watching that it's, it's actually, it's not corny. Do you know what I mean? To talk about your feelings? Yeah, it's not corny. Like, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah, but this is the thing. A lot of people will think it is, mm. right? Because, again, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, fully. Right, because when you're uncomfortable with someone or, or if, with something or you feel awkward about something, mm. you'll immediately put like a negative connotation to it. Mm. So you'll be like, no, this is, um, this is lame. Yeah. I don't need this and stuff, but 100% we all need it. I saw this quote on Instagram um, and I think about it all the time and it's um, something along the lines of like, your fear of looking stupid is holding you back. And it's yeah. so true. Oh, dude, that's 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people don't do a lot of things because they are scared 
or in fear of what people around them are going to think. But what I recently discovered is to not really give a shit about what other people think about, right? Because at the end of the day, as you might think in your head that people will care, but (coughs) people, but people actually don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like people have their own lives and stuff like that. You know, they might think of it for like a second. Mm -hmm. Say, you say you do something, it's, you know, um, wild and people might judge you. They'll judge you for like a split second because having that mindset is very narcissistic. You think everyone by doing something, everyone's going to like judge you or focus on you. Mm. But in reality, you're just a tiny ant on this planet. Um, you know, if you want to do something, go do it. Like, you're not the main character, babe. Sorry to say yeah, it. Yeah, legit. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people forget. Even I sometimes forget, right? Mm. Like sometimes you, you, you're walking and then, I don't know, I don't know if it's me, but I've, I have a thing where I, I'll be walking and I see strangers mm. and I'll, I'll just remember like, hey, that person has like a life. Right. Do you know what I mean? like, yeah. Like they they're going to do something right. They're going on a mission yeah. right now. They have friends and family and stuff. Um, I have the same thing where um, when I'm like sitting at my balcony, um, I'm looking at all the other apartments around me, and I look at like especially at nighttime. I see the lights in other people's apartments. I peer in like a creep, and I just think like, whoa, all these people in their apartments, they have their own lives, yeah. their own families, their yeah. own traumas, their own stories. Like, they've got jobs. Like, holy shit, I'm just one person. And, like, man, I actually don't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, legit, you don't. And you know what? The world's got to keep on spinning mm. regardless. Mm. If, you know, you could die tomorrow, the world's got to keep on spinning. There's yeah. going to be a close group of people that's got to obviously care, but their lives go on. Do you mm. know what I mean? So that's why regardless... You know, I'm still trying to, um, I guess, work on that. Where if I want to do something, just go do it. You know, fuck it, embrace it, embrace the yeah. cringe. Yeah, embrace the cringe. The person that's actually judging you the most is yourself. Yeah, that's the person fully. because you're like self portraying that onto yourself. You think it's cringe mm. or lame, or you know, you're scared mm. to do something because you yourself have those feelings. So you project that onto other people. You think, ah, oh, other people got to think of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And they people don't give a fuck. Yeah. And even if they do, so what? <laughs> yeah. What then? Like what's what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly. But that's something I um I I really admire about you and <laughs> something I think um yeah, like trying to learn from you as well to give less of a fuck. Um and yeah, I wonder where where did that come from? Where did that attitude come from? Have you always been that way? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Growing up you definitely care what people think, mm. especially like teenagers. Oh, I yeah. think I feel like most teenager, teenagers will. Um, I don't know. I think especially moving out by myself and being more dependent, mm. um, having like also a stable job. So having, you got to have the financial means to do stuff also. I feel like that helped, right? If you want to say, if I want to do this, this project, mm. this is not cheap, right? So, having the financial means to go and do stuff also helped. Um, but it also could have been like, sorry, I'm going to call you out mm, a little here. Mm. Like, I mean, this is awesome. This is great. But I remember you struggled to do your first app and release it mm. because you felt like you weren't ready enough. Like, oh, yeah, I need, this, yeah, I need yeah, that. Yeah. But like you could have like literally anybody can yes, do yeah, it. Yeah. You can just do it. You don't need all yeah, the fancy but, gear and stuff. I mean, yes, it's it's dope yeah. and it helps. No, that, that stems from another thing, which oh. is 
I'm too much of a perfectionist. <laughs> that's a, that's a different mm. that's a different problem. Mm. Yeah, so I've always had this problem where even say in uni, if I did an essay, mm. no, I wouldn't even be able to write the first paragraph. I was so um, like strict on myself of getting like the first line right. Whoa. And right. so, but, but then over time you realize it's better to write two pages mm. of 80% than write one paragraph of 100%. Yeah, fully. yeah. No, like, I totally relate to that. Yeah. I, I'm definitely the type where um, I want to give something, like if I'm going to do something, I want to give it my yeah, all and get yeah. it all perfect and right yeah. 100% the first time around yeah. or I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But even like this pod, you know, I the first ep was, you know, it's it's a progress, progression, right? Um, it's not going to be perfect or anything. Um, but I just thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to release it and then see how it goes and just just be consistent with it. So, how do you, baby? Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I just want to be consistent with, you know, release every week as much, much as I can possible. Um, and yeah, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Are you getting what you wanted out of the pod? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Mm. It's definitely um, brought up a lot of conversations between you know, family, like mainly friends and stuff, mm-hmm. like that, which has been really refreshing. I feel like... Um, even the people watching, I feel like the conversations I've had, you know, even from this conversation, they can learn something from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, but again, this is not a TED talk or YouTube video with accurate information, right? Mm. This is a very... Um, it's two people talking shit. Yeah, it's two, two people talking shit. <laughs> and if you take it, whatever you take from it, you can take from it. Like, it's up to you. But I hope that... Um, you know, I, I do know. I do know that the conversations I've had, had has had an impact. It might be one person, but it's still something at least, which has been nice. Yeah. Very meaningful stuff, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. But anyways, look, enough about that. That was a good little chat. Um, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's paid by the hour. Yeah. I'm getting paid? Yeah, in kisses. Nice. Mm. Can I text that? <laughs> Sure, if you want. <laughs> Look, I think what we wanted to talk about was mm. a bit about um, something I didn't really, or I have no idea about, is like said the brown culture. Mm. Oh, do you want me to introduce myself? I know we did twenty introductions yesterday. <laughs> we did do a lot, <laughs> guys. It was crazy. Um, I'm so sorry. You're doing, you're doing a lot better today. Thank I'm you. Really proud thank of you. you. I'm really proud of you. It's because again, I'm not making too much eye contact. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I do, I'm like, oh, I bet your eyes. <laughs> Um, okay, well, okay, yeah, give the audience a bit about yourself. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I'm Shaman. What's your ethnicity Um, and stuff like that? Yeah, um, oh, I'm 25. I had to think about that. Honestly, I still feel like I'm like 23 or in my early 20s. Do you remember in bed the other day when I I was lying there and I was like, holy shit, how old am I? I'm 27, right? I'm turning 27. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) right, I'm like. Like fucking repressing age. <laughs> I don't remember. But I was like, holy shit. I'm 27 this year. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, you had a real depressed moment. You just like went silent. Yeah. And like into yourself. It's like, you're okay. Like 30 is three years ago. Three years away. Mm. Fuck. Yeah, my, my older brother, he's, he's turning 30 this year, which is so wild to me. Um, and it's been really interesting. He's really the blueprint. That's what's really interesting about having like older siblings. Like you see like... 
especially from a health aspect, you see like what they go through and then like, I feel like you can kind of hack it. Like my older brother, he's getting all these like health problems and shit. And I'm like, damn, I gotta watch out. Like I gotta like stop eating like gummy bears before bed and shit. I gotta start exercising more. You know the thing is I don't feel old. Like I don't feel like a 27 year old. I still feel like Mm. sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm still like early 20s as well. What did you think being 27 or 26 or whatever, like late 20s would be like? Like, how did you imagine it? I'll give you a analogy, a story, right? So when I was 18 and first first day of uni, I was with my friend Justin, Justin Lee, shout out. Shout out. Shout out, great <laughs> bloke. Um, I was with my friend Justin and then we were Jaffies, so like first years. And then we met somebody who that was in f- fourth or fifth year. And we we're like, holy shit. Ancient. <laughs> Whoa. Like this guy is has been in this campus for five years. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> like, what, what but the, the, the thing is, right? Our degrees were five, six years. Yeah, that was going to be you. Yeah, and so it clicked. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to be that old fuck in five, six years. <laughs> and then when you get to fifth and sixth year, it doesn't, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, so it's the same thing. Like, mm. you don't really feel it. Yeah. 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 I feel like the older you get, time really moves like fast. Like, I can't believe we're in 2022 already. Sometimes, yeah. I still think we're in 2021. Yeah. This podcast is me just um, (laughs) confessing how I'm in denial about a lot of things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, but I I definitely have this image of like, yeah, when I'm like, you know, 25. Well, actually, it's quite interesting. I always have to be married by Mm. now because like, you know, in brown culture, like typically you get especially as a girl, you get arranged and married quite fast. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) my You sweaty? Oh yeah, they're climbing. They're climbing. They're climbing. Do I feel my feet? They're no. very sweaty. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Especially in brown culture, like getting married young is such a big thing. Such a norm. I have, dude. My cousins who are younger than me, I've seen them run around naked and stuff. They're married. Right. And it trips me out. Whenever I go back to Bangladesh, I cop so much shit for not being married yet. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's all that bullshit of like, oh, your biological clock, blah blah blah. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I like, I always envisioned myself at like 25 being like married, um, maybe. Um, yeah, it's just a totally different life to what I have now. Don't get me wrong. I'm really happy with how my life is. Mm. I'm really grateful. I feel like I'm living it the way that I want. Um, but yeah, it trips me out. Like these perceptions that I had of like what it meant to be an adult. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? I'm an adult yeah. now? What do you mean? <laughs> when I was younger, like, you know, 18, 19, 20, in my head, I'm like, yeah, by 26, I'll have my shit together. Dude, I don't have fucking <laughs> shit together. And you know what? None of my friends have their shit together. No one our age has their shit together, dude. No. Yeah. Especially during the pandemic. My friend Noor said this. Shout out, Noor. Yeah. <laughs> um, your 20s are a write-off. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I started the... Pa- I, was, how old was, I was 23 when the, this yeah. pandemic started. The yeah. fuck? But you know the thing? I think we need a generation to put less pressure for ourselves for the twenties mm. to, you know, like settle down and settle into your career, like finalize your career and stuff. I think the twenties should be literally the time where you discover what you like. Go mm. fucking traveling. Go work as many jobs as you can yeah, to figure out, you know, what you want to do in life. Mm. And then the thirties, you can start worrying about, you know, the boring stuff in life. Mm. You know, the twenties should be the time when you're having fun You've only been alive for 20 years, mm. 25 years, right? It's not that much. 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? Especially I feel like in the age of like the interwebs, mm. um, our world just keeps expanding. There's so much, so much to discover about the world, about ourselves, about our identity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're 18, fresh out of high school, your brain's still developing, you're still learning stuff. Like, like I feel like, yeah, even now I'm still developing and growing and learning stuff. Um, now's the time to really just go out there and do shit experience yeah. life the highs the lows yeah um and i get it like you know the other side of that is like yeah you gotta hustle and stuff and like you know it definitely does pay off to work hard in your 20s to lay the groundwork but like you can also do that at any other time in your life like yeah i mean so, i don't know i'm kind of conflicted like part of me is like you know life isn't going anywhere you can do anything whenever but also like you might die tomorrow <laughs> yeah but also it's again it's balance you mm. know if you a lot of my friends have really stressful, like high paying jobs, mm. but you know, they're not happy. Mm. <laughs> they're like killing themselves as in like not literally killing themselves, but like mentally they're, yeah. they're slowly destroying their soul mm. for a paycheck. Mm. And yes, it's going to set you up, but realistically you're not going to be spending that money until you're a lot older in life. Mm. By then you probably have kids and you're not going to enjoy have the energy. Yeah. Like, me as a dad, right, as an older person, I'm not going to enjoy the things that I enjoy now. Mm. For example, now if I go traveling, I'm more willing to do some, you know, extreme sports or stuff like that. If I'm old, I'm mm. like, I'm going to lie on a beach mm. with a dad bod. You know what I mean? Definitely yeah. not, actually. Definitely not. But you get the idea. I'm lying yeah. on a beach with a dad bod, drinking alcohol, right? Whereas now I'm like, oh, let's go do stuff. You know what I mean? You want to maximize mm. life at every stage. Of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's a conversation there to be had um, about like, yeah, like hustle culture and like how like we really are all just cogs in this capitalistic world. <laughs> um, and Preach it. <laughs> but um, what I really want to talk about is just like, even like I think about my mom. My mom worked really, really hard her whole life, um, you know, providing for the family and um, yeah, just trying to provide for her husband and kids. And um I think she always had this picture of like making it in life. My dad did too, you know, nice house, kids are settled, like they're on the right path, whatever that path is. Um, finally enjoying like working less, maybe thinking of retirement, having enough money to do whatever you want, not worrying about like bills and stuff. And then, um, yeah, she never really got to enjoy that. Um, like life got taken away too early. And like, I think about your mom even, like how she works really, really hard. I can't believe she works six days a week, dude. That's crazy. I mean, my dad's seven, the same. Seven, seven days. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. If it, if you take anything from this pod, you should take a lesson from my mom. Mm. So my mom has been working, oh, I don't know. She's 65 now. She's been working since, since she was a little child, helping her grandma in Vietnam, you know, carry um, food on like the sticks and, you know, with the, the two... Oh, uh, like the basket. Yeah, basket, yeah. yeah. Like as a small child and stuff, right? She's worked her whole life. And she works, you know, seven days a week, mm. um, 15-hour days, even long 16-hour days. And in her mind, she's been conditioned to mm. think that making it in life is having a big bank account, having a lot of cash. Mm. And you can't blame her because in, that, in those times, that is what would provide you with the necessities of life, right? So you can buy food for your family and stuff like that. 
but even to, the, to this day, I feel like a lot of the older generation, they're like, you know what? I'll work hard to get money so I can enjoy it when I retire, mm. right? But again, you have to, have to stress, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it to your retirement, mm. yeah. right? You, yeah, like you have to enjoy life um, as much as possible. And if you take anything from my mom's um, case, it's pretty sad because her life, you know, as much as I don't want to say it, her life has been just working for the dollar. Mm. So she's she enjoys the simple things in life, right? Don't get me wrong. She enjoys, you know, the basic, you know, like music and food and stuff like that. But she's never, like, she's never got to experience seeing, you know, climbing to the top of a mountain, overlooking, um, say, in say climbing uh, Nepal, like uh, one of the Himal- Himalayas, right? Mm. Climbing a mountain and overlooking a beautiful mountain range and with the sun rising. She's never got to experience that. Never. Mm. Because you know why? Even if she wanted to physically, she can't even do it. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. like extreme, right? She's never going to... Carry her baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll carry it. <laughs> but she's never going to have those moments. Mm. Whereas yeah. as us, as young people, we can. Yeah. Obviously, look, I'm, I'm probably not going to climb a mountain, but I'm giving an example of those little moments in life yeah. of like experiencing just... I don't know, traveling and experiencing, seeing new things and stuff like that. Mm. She's never going to to ever experience that. But also, does she value that? Like my dad, my I feel like our, our parents are the same. Like your yeah. mom and my dad. Like my yeah. dad, he does not value holidays and stuff like that at all. Like I've tried convincing him so many times to go on a holiday. Yeah. Um, and he's like, no, like yeah. he literally just can't relax. But like, that's the thing. If you ask younger him, I think he would. That's even it. then, I really don't. Because and... Bring it up, baby. Yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Guys, mm. look it up. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> um, because um, my dad grew up in quite, a, like, he grew up in extreme poverty. Um, but wait, wait, could we just quickly, sorry to cut you off. That's what I'm saying. Because of his situation, yeah, those experiences don't matter, right? Mm. But I'm saying is we have those chances. Of course, if my mm. needs right now were food, I don't give a fuck about seeing a sunrise. Yeah. However, I'm lucky and privileged enough to be in a situation where that isn't a need of mine, a necessity. Absolutely. I'm, I'm able to go and experience those, those you know, magical um, experiences in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that my mum, due to her circumstances, she will never be able to experience those. Mm-hmm. And it, she does have the means to, but she doesn't even want to right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And purely because of the way she's been raised and stuff like that. Um, what if you took her? Do you think like she'd be keen or open? Would you do something like that? Would oh, you be yeah, hundred percent. But she, she's she wouldn't value as much, mm. I believe, as in like what if I value it? Mm. Because again, you know, money is a big thing in Asian culture. Like mm. having a lot of money and all this stuff, and you, mm. the Asian cultures do put a lot of value on it. And again, money money is a important part of life. Mm. However, how much is enough? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And she, you know, my mom's really rich, to be straight up, for like where she came from. Married in some money. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's but that, but that is literally due to like blood, sweat and tears that she's yeah, got this money, right? right? And the thing is, she's got money because she doesn't even spend it. Like my mom literally hasn't bought a single cl- piece of clothing in 20 years, I reckon. Mm, well. And this thing, she doesn't care for it. She couldn't give a fuck if it took her closer. But again, is that a good thing that she doesn't care and we mm. do care about that stuff? Like we find enjoyment from those things or 
yeah. I guess it's just like what you value. Yeah, I guess it's, it's what you value. Yeah. Just values. Yeah. Um, I think that's like, I think you have to find a happy medium, like yeah, mm. a balance. Like, mm. um, yeah, a good balance of like working and also like enjoying life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, like these are things we are told. We know, we know that, okay, you have to have a ba- ba- healthy balance in mm. work and life, but it's hard to follow it. Yeah. yeah. Do you, because I struggle with this as a result. Like my dad, yeah, very the same, like works really, really hard. Um, doesn't like spending his money on frivolous things like clothes. Um, drives like a very like reasonable car. Yeah. Um, you know, he <clears throat> instead values sending money like back home, um, uplifting the community. Um, you know, he's very pragmatic with his money. Um, as a result, that's really changed the way, like my relationship with money. Like I sometimes, I really enjoy like, yeah, buying nice clothes or like indulging myself. But then I feel really guilty about it sometimes. Yeah. Even sometimes for basic stuff, like, yeah, I don't know, like. Dude, uh, I, still, I feel uncomfortable using the dishwasher. Yeah. Because, right? <laughs> because of the wasting the water and the money. It's probably like two bucks. I'm willing. Okay, this is the thing. Yeah, I'm willing to spend a hundred bucks on food, <laughs> right? But when I go home, I'm like, I'm fucking hand washing the dishes because I don't want to waste fifty cents on the dishwasher. But you know what? Apparently, I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah, you told me. I this. mean, I saw ads. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to write Maybe PSA. Yeah. <laughs> I saw ads from the Australian government saying that like it. It's, um, it's more cost effective to use your dishwasher than to wash dishes but by hand. Is, yeah, but this is the thing. I live alone. So yeah, if I have true. one dish, it's definitely not cost efficient if I'm hand washing it. That's why you let the, you don't put the one dish in yeah, the dishwasher and wash it. You yeah, like that's what I mean. Accumulate the d- dishes. Yeah, like how many days? That's, no, I'd rather just hand wash it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Different story though. Different story though. But again, but, again yeah. we had this conversation yesterday of using tissue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, guys, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who can relate to this, but tissues... Is a luxury. I, I did not grow right. up with tissues, yeah. right? Or like we would, my mum would used, used to, um, we go to Macca's, hoard the, t- <laughs> the fucking tissue papers, the napkins, because you can use it at home. Like we'd have a, a drawer or like, pla- name a wh- fucking white family that would hoard plastic bags from s- s- Woolies. Because hey. we would use it as a garbage bit. Ba- um, yeah, bags. yeah. Please, same here. I swear, like Asians, Southeast Asians, yeah. South Asians, we were the original environmentalists. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you don't need to tell us to recycle. Yeah. We've been doing that yeah. shit. Like my mom would use like reuse yogurt containers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, just anything, anything yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Dude, white people don't do that. But yeah, sorry, this is going on a tangent. When <laughs> yeah. I came to your place, I noticed you had two tissue boxes. He has two tissue boxes, guys, not even one. Was I was like, rich. whoa, this guy's got money, money. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And it's fucking scented. Scented like, tissues, guys. Yeah. Um, guys, hot tip. If you want to impress a girl, <laughs> make sure your tissue... Don't have rolls of toilet paper as your tissue, right? Yeah, guys. Make sure... Yeah, make sure you got some nice tissue boxes. Maybe scented. Um, hyperallergenic. Nice picture, like, animation on the box. <laughs> animation? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi. yeah um, and yeah. she's going to know... Even if you don't have money, she's like, yo, this guy is willing. Quality. But you know what? Even if you do, ha- if you hand me the toilet roll, I'm not going to say shit. I'm going to be like, yeah, it's fine. I get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. You know? But you're flexing. It's a flex. I don't need all that, baby. <laughs> Regular toilet paper is fine for That's because I got you now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he still gets me yeah. scented but tissue still, paper, guys. Yeah, I, still, I still get you scented <laughs> tissue paper. That's how you know it's love. <laughs> <laughs> Something I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Yeah. Because um, like I said, there's quite like an overlap between like, um, like Vietnamese or like Asian culture and like a lot of your experiences growing up and like for brown people as well like mm. i feel like we've had very similar experiences mm. 
um, in terms of like, yeah, your parents being strict, uh, wanting you to get good grades, um, casual abuse, <laughs> yeah. um, going to like Kumon or like James and Coaching. Mm. Um, actually, blow those names out. You know, they're not sponsoring us. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, fuck James and College. Fuck James. That's James so coaching. many years of torture. Like, Man. it's a waste of money. Ugh, whatever. Matt, you know what? They, this is messed up, guys. Okay, yeah. I'm already bad at maths. I'm, I've got fucking um, all dyslexia. Oh right, maths. right. You can't do maths. Yeah, I can't, I I can't do maths. Sometimes the numbers be moving around and stuff. Mm. It's not fun. Oh, Discalcula. Um, so I, I already struggled with maths. I have like my whole life, and in grade. Five. My dad put me in James and coaching, um, or maybe grade six. Anyway, they um, didn't have like there weren't enough people enrolled for my like year level, mm. so they're like, oh, we'll just put in the next one. And they put mm. me in year seven maths. I was it's like, in dude, year I five. Sh- yeah, it's like, dude, I should be going down. <laughs> right, <laughs> struggling. Yeah, dude, I I got destroyed. It was so bad. Oh. Can I talk, quickly tell um, a story that we brought up before? But I don't want to say it now. I guess I forget it. <laughs> How my mom thought I was going to join the Taliban. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This is a major <laughs> sidestep from what we're talking about. No, yesterday we were making a lot of um, like jokes about like the Taliban and stuff. Yeah. Appro- appropriately, guys. Um. Oh, fuck them. What are you talking about? You're fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, this is another funny story. Mm. This is um, peak Taliban back in the day. Right, so peak, you know, when they, they were, were hot like, shit. Yeah, they were like the, mm. cra- the craziest things like on the news. Heaps of beheading videos and all that stuff, right? Man, that was wild. I can't believe that stuff was just there on the yeah. internet. Yeah, but anyways, this is when I think it was like first year uni. I studied, my, one of my majors for arts was international politics. Mm. So I was really interested in, I've always been into like politics and mm. um, world news and stuff like that. So when I was at home, I would be watching a lot of, not beheading videos, but a lot of uh, news coverage on ISIS. Mm. No, sorry, it wasn't Taliban. It was ISIS. Oh, okay. ISIS, right. Mm. Um, shout out ISIS. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are still around, but shout out. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I was watching a lot of news and um, you know doing a lot of research and stuff like on ISIS and you know how they form and history and stuff. Mm. Anyways, my mum saw. I don't think any of it. I thought she just thought I was you know doing uni work. Um, I'm in my room one day. I get a text from my cousin, cousin Peter, and it's like, "Yo, is your mum okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, fine." She's like. And he was like, she's she's on the phone to my mom, my auntie, crying. I'm like, why? And then he's like, she thinks you're going to like escape Australia and join ISIS. <laughs> and like, should she take her like your passport? I'm like, what the fuck? Holy shit. Yeah. Like my mom genuinely thought oh I was going to be one of those foreign um, kids who was manipulated by ISIS via propaganda video. Could you imagine like your via ass? holy shit that's crazy yeah and she was getting a lot of this information from viet radio too which is so wild yeah and okay you know what to bring it back this is how fucking crazy asian vietnamese mums are they're Mm -hmm. so uh imaginative in their worst case scenarios like who who jumps to instead of (laughs) instead of (laughs) he's probably doing uni work (laughs) <laughs> he's going to escape and go join ISIS. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Yeah. That's a side story. Damn. Yeah. But anyways, let's quickly um, talk about you. Um, my experience with ISIS. Yeah. How's, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here now? 
Mum mm. and you wouldn't be afraid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm a very nice girl, please. <laughs> Cut this out. <laughs> Cut the cameras, dead ass. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so... Uh, Again, so you're Bengali? Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah, I never, I never finished introducing myself. Yes, I'm Bengali, Bangladeshi. Um, both my parents are from Bangladesh. Mm. Um, I was born in South Africa in a little town called Whitbank or Amalaleni. I spent a few years there. Um, and then my family immigrated to Mackay in Queensland. And then we came here, lived in Brisbane for a bit. But yeah, Nam has been where I've... like. My, my childhood place where I've grown up, where yeah. I home. Um, well, you've told me a few stories of your time in Queensland. Oh, yeah. Was it Mackay? <laughs> Mackay, yeah. yeah. Voted uh, most racist yeah, town. Yeah, most racist town. Actually. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> how, was, how was growing up in there? Did you face Look, any racism and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, but I guess, you know, growing up, you're not really aware of like, oh, this is racism. You know, mm. this is a racist experience. Mm. You just like, oh, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I had a pretty like happy upbringing there. Like um, it, it, it's a rural town. So um, like very free. Um, but I've also definitely had a lot of whack experiences. Like my brother and I, we were the only people of color in our school or at least like, um, brown people in our school like yeah. everyone else was white yeah i think there was one asian kid um and i would always have like teachers come up to me just randomly and like start like feeling my skin and like whoa like your skin the texture's amazing. imagine if that was like a black kid yeah like i mean like what's the difference like the hell? No, I'm saying, no because you're brown yeah. it's less it's but less that bad. to black people. Like, you no, know, people come up to black people and like no, touch their hair, no. especially like forcey hair. Like, whoa, the texture. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sorry. saying that black, like, of course, black in the day, black people yeah, used yeah. to be treated like animals and looked at as, as animals. Like they used to be yeah. put in zoos and stuff, right? Yeah, right. And it's crazy that to this day, people are still um, cur- like so curious of a skin color. Yeah. Like, why does it fucking matter what skin yeah. color might be? Well, like? I mean, I... Like, exactly. I, I, that's how I describe my experience. I felt like I was like kind of a zoo animal. Yeah. You, um, you're like a- but I think it's just like a testament as to like how sheltered these people were, mm. how, yeah, they just didn't have experience, just didn't know. This was like back when like the internet was barely a thing as well. Um, mm. Not excusing that, but you know, um, it's just ignorance. Um, but another example, like my brother and I, we would always be called up in assembly um, as like the model minority students, like, yeah. oh, look at our fellow brown brown kids who are wearing school uniform. Yes, this is the way. Um, yeah. yeah. And we just spoke this yesterday, but I went to an all white school too. I was mm. the only Asian kid um, from you know primary to grade eight or something like that. Mm. And growing up, because you're the only Asian kid, mm. being Asian was definitely something that you realize. Mm. Right, you. Whereas a lot of my friends, like us, um, I remember asked Tiff. Mm. You know, like, did you ever have any like identity crisis being mm. Asian? She's like, no, nah, I never even thought about it because everyone around right. me was Asian. Mm. It's the norm, right? <laughs> so, yeah, like growing up, especially for a kid, like if you know, I'm same, sure same as me and you. If you're the only brown or Asian kid, then it pays plays a big part in your perception of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Did um, <clears throat> being light-skinned make any difference at all? Did you feel like you could assimilate a bit easier? Light-skinned Asian? No. 
Mm-hmm. Asian, Asian, no. Yeah, right. Because there's a divide. It's either the white kids or Asian kids, right? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt like, because of my skin tone, um, I felt like I very visibly, st- like, stood out. Mm. Um, but even even things like, not so much in school, but within the media, right? Mm. Especially the whole, during when I was growing up, the whole, like, um, you know, like, slanty eyes and stuff like that mm. was a huge thing. Yeah. Like, I was, like... I wasn't, I, to be honest, I, I didn't care enough, but it was still something I thought about. Remember, mm. oh, like my eyes are more slanty than, mm. or like um, smaller than the white guys. Yeah. I couldn't get, I couldn't care less, to be honest. Mm. But in, when I was a kid, why should I, that even be something that I think about? Yeah. Do you know I mean? A lot of kids. I think, I, I'm not, I don't know now if kids still go through that. Um, like, I'm sure they do. Um, maybe, yeah. I'm unfortunately. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, hopefully less so now but back especially back in the day it's mm. um and it's not like kids being mean it's mm. just like observation mm. right and then yeah how did being like physically different and like ethnically different make you feel growing up in an all-white school like did you feel i'm sure you felt the pressure to assimilate yeah i mean a lot of times you you want to do things like the the white kids and mm. you know you want to have the food that you bring to school like the white kids mm. the standard classic stuff like mom yeah. don't don't give me the the asian food i want to have the, yeah. the white like the lcm bars and the roll-ups yeah. and all that shit i used to be so embarrassed bringing like my stained tupperware <laughs> yeah. um to school with like curry and stuff yeah now all these fucking kids are bringing that to school um yeah like dude g- now give me a fucking curry or mm. some fucking ham and cheese sandwich well, i'm gonna choose the curry every time yeah but yeah, as a kid, you don't realize that, right? You you want to be, you don't be teased, and yeah. you, you want to be normal. You know, you want you want to. But it's the opposite now, like it's opposite now. With yeah, all the crunchy Every, moms like yeah. trying to make like unique lunches. Yeah, everyone's being different. Trying to be, yeah, yeah. which is, I mean, hey, it's, it's a good thing. Fine, it's yeah, good. It's a good yeah, thing. yeah, good thing. Glad you're getting some culture, but um, yeah. yeah, no, I remember, I remember. Oh man, the way <laughs> we were like grocery shopping yesterday, and do you know we're talking about like yeah, LCM bars and Milo bars. And it's so funny to me how these things, which are so ordinary and just readily available, as a kid, I viewed them as like... Status. Yeah, it was a symbol of status and like wealth. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh shit, that kid's got a Milo bar, like damn. Yeah, or like a nice lunchbox, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, um, it would be a treat for me to have stuff like that, which like for other kids, it's like ordinary because I don't get that shit at home. And if I asked my parents, they'd be like... Yeah. No, go have some roti, you know? <laughs> but you know the funny thing is, as a kid, you see that, right? You say, oh my God, this kid has a nice lunchbox and um, <coughs> LCM bar, roll up, an apple and a ham and cheese sandwich. Like, Holy shit. The Holy Grail. Mm. And then if you're given by your mum a home-cooked meal that's taken six hours to make, mm. in my eyes, my mum loves me more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Their mum... He's like, I can't be fucked. I'm going to chuck some sugar crap into the lunchbox and give it to my kid. <laughs> hey, Fuck hey, off. hey. In defense of some moms. I get it. Some moms are working. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I'm saying as a kid, totally you don't appreciate your you own don't. Yeah, you, you, don't, don't. you don't think about the six hours your mom slaved yeah. away. You're just thinking about like And she's thinking like, yeah, she, she's thinking like, this has got a lot of nutrients in it. You know, it's got a yeah. lot of like, it's going to help my kid. Um, whereas in your mind, like, oh, fuck sakes. You just want to flex your lunch. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't flex fucking like kichuri or biryani. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, you're so right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, going. I, I, uh, no, sorry, sorry. 
it's okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, so another thing that we we're talking about was what I found interesting is, you know, I asked you a lot of questions about like brown culture and stuff like that. Mm. What's different between brown culture and I feel like in Asian culture is, um, I don't know where this, but like the females, like mm. females' roles in yeah. in brown culture, uh, especially now. So my generation, girls, I, you know, I, I, I believe the majority of them are like on par with males. Mm. Like you know, they they are very badass. Like they, the girls now, they like if I want to become something, I'll go do it. I'll mm. go study and. Um, I'll, you know, have my parents' uh, permission or blessing to go do something and pursue my dreams and stuff like that. Mm. Not feel pressure to, say, mm. um, get married or have kids and stuff like that. Is yeah. this girls um, within, like, here? Like, yeah, like, yeah, the girls yeah. that I see, like, my friends and stuff. Mm. Like, no, everyone's very, like, career-driven and yeah. I feel like their parents want them to succeed in life and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure brown culture is the same. Like, your parents mm. want you to succeed in life. Mm. But... You know, again, there's a uh, stereotype of girls just, you know, being uh, a caregiver for the mm. male. Like, there's that perception, right? Yeah. Is that true or is that not? No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like I definitely have been awarded more opportunities being here in Australia. Mm. Um, my parents being exposed to more Western ideals. Um, me just being rebellious <laughs> mm. um and yeah I, there still are like um you know I, I feel like brown parents are still very much like yeah career driven like want you to be successful want you to have a job blah 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 um but the difference is and like there's still that in Bangladesh but the difference is in Bangladesh especially if you're coming from like like a more rural part it's all ornamental. Like female education is not valued at all. Mm. It's only valued to the extent that it'll make your bio data look good. Yeah. It'll make you more marriageable. Yeah. Um, so it's like your husband has like a nice shiny trophy. Yeah. Like, hey, my wife has a degree. She's not going to use it. She's definitely staying home to, you know, f- raise the kids and clean yeah. the house and stuff. It's literally just for them to say, oh, she's educated. Yeah. yeah. But then like, like I, I, I have cousins and stuff and like um, cousins whose wives like have these great degrees, have gotten these awesome job opportunities. And then the husband's family being like, no, you're not allowed to work because mm. it's quite normal. Like the norm in our culture is um, when you get married, you go live with the husband's family for a bit. Mm. It's not very normal to then separate and create a nuclear family of your own. Mm. Um, or if you do, you do it much later in life. But um, yeah, they've been denied job opportunities and stuff. Um because they're like, no, your role is to like, yeah, stay home, cook, clean. Like your husband's already working. Why do you need to work? Mm. If, you know, or if you can work, like you have to be home before your husband comes home so you can serve him dinner. Yeah. Um, like you're just, you're not given that equal importance. Um, and there's also like, I've heard this so many times, you know, um, women who have a degree, they're educated, but women who have a degree and then work, they're too educated and that's seen as a threat. Right. And I think that's also where it comes from. Um, just men. <laughs> I mean, Bangladesh is a patriar- patriarchal society, honestly. Um, and I think it's just this fear of like women being too smart, being mm. too powerful, which is so frustrating because like straight up, like Bangladesh, India, you know, these countries, they run and work on the free hard labor of women, you know, 
Yeah. Women are the ones, your grandma, your mum, your sister, your wife, they are the ones getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning to make you fresh roti and like, you know, make you breakfast, make you tiffin, make you lunch. They're the ones doing your laundry. They're the ones taking care of you, doing everything for you, taking care of you when you're sick, raising the children, you know? Um, And yet they're the most... vulnerable unappreciated abused mistreated neglected population Mm. you know they're treated like they're stupid they're treated like they don't have value Mm. it's really hypocritical and it really infuriates me how do you think being raised here with um bengali parents Mm. Was it, you know, was it, um, did they try to put those ideals onto you or do you feel like mm. the, the, the brown community have those ideals here for, for women mm. and girls or not really? I mean, yeah, definitely to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, like I said, like for me, the difference is like my parents di- didn't want me to fall into that cycle. They mm. wanted me to actually have a career. Mm. Um, you know, if my husband didn't mistreat me and this is like a common, like, um, line of thinking it's you know if your husband does mistreat you you can at least then leave and stand on your own two feet Mm. um which is kind of sad that it's seen that way as like a reason to have a career rather than oh like you know a career can be so fulfilling yeah yeah. you know um it's like like, survival it's like have a career to survive it's yeah literally um but yeah it's less yeah so that's one difference Mm. um it's it's a really weird mishmash like growing up i was definitely treated different to my brothers Mm. you know um like i would have to do my own laundry i was like held to a different and stricter like standard standard compared to my brother's expectation i feel like some of the stories you tell me from an outside perspective Mm. you know not to be rude or blunt but it's like it seemed a bit unfair yeah, it was definitely unfair. Yeah. Hey, shout out brown girls, especially <laughs> your eldest brown daughters. Yeah, I yeah. see you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff you had to do, it's like expectations, right? You had to, mm. you know, do house chores and stuff like that. And just, just because purely because you're the girl and it's expected of you. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's pretty fucked up because, you know, a lot of girls here who are not, you know, if you're watching and you're not part of that community, mm. maybe you'd, didn't have to go through that. And so you should, you know, be not appreciative, but have a expand your mind that these things exist. These things happen. Absolutely. And they have a knock on effect too. I'm honestly, I'm honestly like just starting to realize the extent of which like that has played in my life. Even Mm. just seeing like my mom in that role, like my mom was studying. um, She wanted to be either like a teacher or a lawyer. Mm. She was really passionate about law, Um, but she gave it up because she fell pregnant with my brother. And then like the commute from um, her village, like my dad's village to uni was like too perilous. Mm. So she just gave it up. And yeah, like most women in Bangladesh, you fall into like being that caregiver. Um, And yeah, your education and career isn't prioritized. Even when my mom did work, honestly, like, um, it wasn't taken seriously. It was mm. just like, oh, it's just pocket money. It's not like, you know, this is something fulfilling. But um, yeah, I <sighs> seen it from my mom, being having it enforced on me. Um, I feel like I'm naturally a caregiver, which I love. I love caring for my friends. I love caring for my community. Um, I love caring for people. I find it really fulfilling. But I feel like, and I feel like this is very common for a lot of brown girls, it's sometimes to the extent of self-sacrifice, which mm. is not okay. And mm. 
Um, I won't go into it too much, but like I found, I found that with like midwifery. Um, at the time when I like graduated, I was caring for my mom who was quite unwell. Um, so I felt like I was a carer at home for my mom. I was caring for my little brother, also like caring for my dad, um, kind of. And then I was also like a carer in my professional life and it just burnt me out. Yeah. It just took everything out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in other ways too, I'm realizing like even in past relationships, um, I realized like I would take on the stereotypical roles that are subscribed to brown girls, brown daughters, mm. um, just brown girls, honestly, yeah. um, which is like, yeah, you put up with a lot of shit. You self-sacrifice, you take on that caring role naturally. You don't really prioritize yourself, mm. what your needs are, um, because that's just the way that you're conditioned. To yeah, be. yeah. Um, how I can relate mm. <laughs> as a brown girl. <laughs> no, I was just thinking that um, being Asian, like your, just in regards to like career and like your parents, mm. a lot of the time you're expect you have a weight and expectations to do certain things mm. just to please your parents. And most of the time it's at your own self-sacrifice mm. of your own passions and dreams and all that stuff. Right? Mm. I feel like a lot of kids who are in the Asian community, they do choose careers. And again, I've said this before, they choose careers and pathways, which they think, okay, this is going to make my mom happy. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So not so much as a gender thing for you as a woman, but as a, um, per, like a, a son or daughter in an mm. Asian household, you definitely feel those standards and expectations mm. put on you. Yeah. I feel like it's really common, especially yeah. for like first gen immigrants. Mm. Um, you feel like you owe your parents something like my parents sacrificed so much. They've struggled so much. Like I need to make the sacrifice worth it. Yeah. You know, I need to make something of myself. Um, I need to make them proud, give them back, you know, something to make it worth all that they're struggling for. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's your life to live. You didn't ask for these things. You can be yeah. grateful and appreciative, mm. but um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, like especially our generation. If you're watching this, oh hey, <laughs> if you're watching this, um, yeah, try to break free from those traditional molds that have been set mm. for you, especially yeah, career-wise and stuff. If you're passionate about things like music and art and whatever it is, film, photography science mass whatever whatever you're passionate about mm. don't worry about what your parents got to think and <coughs> what your parents want and stuff like that because in a day it's going to be you that's going to be living the life and you have to stick with that you know career so yeah and honestly i feel like with all those sacrifices that your parents have made for you or are making for you the best way you can repay it is just by like living your life authentically, being yeah. happy, being yourself, yeah. pursuing your passions, pursuing opportunities that your parents never got to pursue. They couldn't even if they wanted to. Yeah. yeah and I've, again, I said this before, but you know, my mom left Vietnam on a fucking boat, lived in Thailand in a refugee camp for a couple of years in literally like hell. Right. It was, That's crazy. Hell. Um, and in her mind, Yes, the ideal thing would I get like a perfect job and high paying job and I live comfortably and comfortably mm -hmm. and work a nine to five job and stuff like that, right? But she doesn't realize that I'm actually doing her a disservice mm. by say again, if you're passionate about something, 
Okay, for, I'll give you an example. Say I'm passionate about music. Mm. I'm become a musician. I'm doing her a disservice because she left Vietnam in order for me to, and she's worked hard all her life in order for me to to pursue those dreams mm. and passions and stuff. Yeah. To a certain extent, of course, you have to be realistic about it. But yeah, like you have to be. They don't know it now. Do you know what I mean like your parents are not going to understand your passions mm. and dreams and stuff? In their mind, it's go be a doctor, go be a mm. lawyer, go be a dentist and all that stuff, right? And again, it's the extension of just like, you know, the, this concern of like securing the back. So it's like survival. Survival. Survival, yeah. Massive hierarchy of yeah. needs. Guys, get up. And yeah, so it's like survival. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you're in Australia right now, most of our friends, we're not surviving. Mm. We're, yeah. We're, yeah, we're not surviving. Let's be honest. There's yeah. so many ways to make it. Yeah. Without being a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah. Yeah. We're, look, we're, we're not trying to survive here. We're trying to thrive. Yeah. Right. It's a, we've already reached, say life is 100%. Mm. You know, surviving is 50%. We're trying to go above that. Yeah. It's not trying to, yeah. Trying to self actualize. Yeah. Find our purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel <laughs> my dad was very much like that. Um, mm. Like, he had a lot of resentment about the fact that none of his kids pursued medicine. Yeah. Um, my dad's a doctor and um, yeah, obviously he wanted us to like be either doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, the works, um, but especially like a doctor um, and seeing us pursue other things, um, especially with me, like me having my midwifery degree and then me not pursuing it it didn't make sense to him for the longest time. Yeah. But these were like just ongoing conversations I had to have with him. He saw how unhappy it made me. He saw how much I was struggling. I had to talk to him about it too, which were really hard conversations to have, especially like, as you've mentioned, like with language barriers and, mm. you know, um, it's the first time doing it. Um, eventually, like my dad understood, like, you're right, there's so much more to life. And now like it's created peace, not only for me, it's taken away that a lot of that pressure, but it's also created peace for my dad and understanding and, you know, now he says to not only me, but to my little brother as well. Like, you know, if you don't want to be a doctor, that's fine. If you don't want to be a midwife, that's fine. Like you can be whatever you want to be, but whatever you're going to do, just do it a hundred percent. If you want to be like yeah. a janitor, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're enjoying it and you're giving it your all. If you want to be an artist, give it your all. Um, like, yeah, that's very open of him. It is. And yeah. it took a lot of work. I never, ever thought my dad would say that. Yeah. I feel like never. a lot of parents wouldn't be like that. Like, and again, I said it in the Kev's episode where, again, if you want to pursue your dreams and passions, go do it. Mm. But your parents will probably hate you for it. Yeah. You got to be a bit realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, your parents will probably hate you for it. And they might hate you for five, 10 years, whatever. Right. Mm. It's just something you have to stick up, like suck it up and mm. accept and, and you know, eventually believe that it's got to pay off. And when they see that you become successful, Mm. and things like that and yeah. not just monetary like in a monetary sense like success yes, my, also in terms yes. of happiness happiness yes and you know your parents can say that absolutely right? if you're at a, a job that you're passionate about and you, you know you're, you're not earning millions of dollars but you're mm. still really happy at your job they can sense that like for example if like your parents aren't dumb like if you're at a high paying job earning millions of dollars but you come to family dinner and you're depressed as fuck they're gonna know Mm. right if your parents actually care for you they would be like you know what i'd rather my son be at a lesser mm. paying job and him to be happy you know what i mean absolutely yeah but these are things like you just got to do it you just got to have these conversations with your parents it's hard yeah. got to start somewhere um yeah. like 
I think having that understanding and that conversation with my dad, it really took a lot of pressure off my little brother. You're welcome, Amir. <laughs> and um, yeah, I often feel like our generation has um, the burden and also the privilege and honor of really breaking the cycle for a lot of things. Things like with this podcast, having these conversations, yeah. breaking the cycle, you know, yeah. um, unpacking a lot of like toxic behaviors and perceptions and ideals that we've grown up with. Um, and it just makes it easier for the next generation to come. For sure. But not only that, you've got to do it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I told you always, don't ever put anyone above yourself, even me, like mm -hmm. your parents, your brother, because again, you can't help anyone unless you're helping yourself first. The number one supporter, guys. Thanks, <laughs> But yeah, like... Appreciate it. Thank you. But yeah, look, regardless, whoever's watching, don't put anyone above yourself. At the end of the day, you can only rely on yourself first. If you want to help other people, sure. But make sure that you're helping yourself first and you're 100%. That way, when you're helping someone else, you're giving them as much as you can, mm. right? If you're already down and, you know, struggling yourself... Mm. How much can you realistically help someone? You're yeah, not going to give them absolutely. much. You're not going to give them much value in their life. If you're at 100%, you know, they can wait. 100% you're you know, really happy with life and fulfilled and stuff like that. Then you can give them even more. Do you know what I mean? In, in, in terms of whatever, like financial, um, emotional support, whatever it is, right? Mm. Um, One of my friends um, always used this analogy in high school um, with like airplane masks. Like mm. when the plane's going down, you got to put your oxygen mask on first yeah, before exactly. you put someone else's on. Dude, yo. Shout out, days. Genius. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, that's, dude, it's fucking true. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, put your fucking mask on first before you help others. Yeah. Mm. That's true. Okay. I'm having fun. This is going so much more smoothly. I feel <laughs> okay, so much there? more calm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've had some really good conversations. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I'm proud of you, baby. Thank you. For this podcast. Do you um, do questions? Yeah, let's do a couple questions and then we'll sign off. So these are questions from We're Not Really Strangers. Also, can you give me the box? Mm. Careful of the box. This is called um, We're Not Really Strangers. If you don't know what it is, find them on Instagram. Mm. This is one of the best games. I think ever. I brought this yeah. like on our like third night or something together. Yeah, like... And people, let me let me give y'all some tips. Yeah, okay, if you want to get to know your date better, cut the bullshit, just get to it. Okay, play this game, really fun. Even with your friends, I think this is such a fun yeah, game to play I, with I your play friends. With my friends and it's awesome, yeah. Um, I played this with a lot of friends during lockdown. We played um, like via Zoom, and it really helped. Helped like with connectedness, feeling less alone during lockdown. Yeah. This is the self reflection pack. This one's really good. It's shiny. Yeah. Even um, for guys, even just having it. Um, at your house, right? If you've got a date over, mm. if it's the first date, things will get awkward. You're not going to, mm. especially some guys, if they don't know how to talk to girls and stuff. Guys, <laughs> please. Desperately trying to Please, try. Remy, please, just five minutes. <laughs> Remy, please get back. Remy, Remy. It's okay, he can join. <laughs> your brother can't get over. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Winston's kind of a... Anyways, sorry guys. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so if you, even if you have it um, in your house... Just pop out a few questions, like, and just ask the day, you know, whatever question it is, and she'll appreciate the, you, you know, you make an effort and the date will go a lot smoother. Yeah, and you get to know each other a lot better. Yeah. I think it really helped us. In yeah, yeah, for sure. You're welcome, yeah, even guys. When, even when we're having dinner, like, we just whip mm. out 
it's a good conversation starter and talk about. Damn, okay. Some of these questions are very, very like confronting. I'm sorry, like, Winston. can you really? I'm sorry, Winston. <laughs> Winston's a menace though. Like, he's like yeah, next yeah. level energy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you though, Winston. Cut that part out. <laughs> mm. Shaman, what's become more important to me recently than ever before? Mm. Do we go first? Yeah. I feel, especially again, with doing the pod, just surrounding yourself with. Yeah, just doing the pod, like just surrounding yourself with people that you want to spend time with. Mm. I feel like when I was a bit younger, you spend time with a lot of f- fake friends and people that added no value to your life and you're just wasting your time. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I can hear Winston in the background. Yeah, man's thirsty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and like, again, like, it's not like me cutting my friendship circle down or anything. It's more mm. I choose who I want to spend time with now more um strictly do mm. you know I mean i'm not gonna go and have lunch with, or go hang out with someone if they add no value to my life right or what does know. value look like to you like what do you value in as in like friendship? as in like we both genuinely care about each other mm. we care about this friendship mm. some of the people get together just because again status like i'm gonna hang out with so-and-so because she's popular he's popular and do you know what i mean End of the day, would you, do you really care about them? Probably not. Like, mm. yeah, that's what I care about most recently, yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I feel like last year especially, I mean, COVID was a thing, is a thing. But um, I feel like I've always really practiced that where I, I really value who I spend my energy with and on, mm. um, who I share my time with. But it got to a point where I, it kind of made me like a bit close-minded to like new experiences and hanging out with new people. I think it was kind of self-protective as well. Mm. Like, you know, oh, I don't want to waste my time with someone who's like full of shit or mm. like someone who makes me feel bad or just doesn't really share the same values as me. Mm. Um, but I think it was like maybe a bit too extreme where I never gave that person the chance to show me that side of them yeah to me. yeah well yeah look in the day you still gotta p- give people chances but mm. saying you know established people in your life mm. that goes with family also yeah we yeah, i believe absolutely. we place way too much important not importance but uh like sentiment to family i i had this conversation with my, my mom right mm. every every family has got people in that family who are pieces of shit mm. right might be you, babe. <laughs> you might, you know, but in but in your own like mum like mum's mind, everyone's perfect in that family, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I try to explain to her, if everyone's like you, mum, everyone in the world would be perfect. Mm. That's not the case. Some people, some family members are toxic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just because they're family doesn't mean that you should keep them around or, mm. um, yeah, like tolerate anything. Mm. Yeah, you know. I think that's a really big thing in like Asian culture as well. Like for both of us, mm. like um. Forgiveness, forgiving your family. Yeah, forgiving your family and stuff, um, yeah. Family values, regardless of what they do. Yeah, like we put up with so much of our family's bullshit just mm-hmm. because they're your family. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. I think if I was to go to my dad, because my dad's the same. Like, mm. he forgives really, really fast. If yeah. I was to tell him, like, Abu, this person's toxic, he just wouldn't comprehend that at all. Yeah. Like, what do you mean toxic? What does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they just, yeah, think of that because it's family, it's, mm. they're perfect or it's okay. Did you ever struggle with that? Or have you... Like- no. I, to be honest, no. Hmm. I, again, I don't really take shit. 
if regardless of who you are, your family, friends, whatever, mm. if you've done something wrong and I don't like you, I don't like you. Right. Yeah. I think seeing those values in like my parents, mm. it really made me struggle with like cutting people out of my life, especially yeah. like toxic people. Made me put up with a lot of shit. Yeah. I'm very comfortable cutting people out of my life for sure. Mm. If they don't, if they've done something wrong or something bad and I don't like them as a person, whatever, I'll, t- I'll cut you out. No problem. Yeah. Family or not. Look, we're, uh, how long are we on? Whoa. Hour 30. Nice, baby. Good job. Thank you for watching another episode of Sunset, Sunset Confessions. If you made it to the end of this, damn, get a life. <laughs> no, no, thank you so much. Thank you so much for spending your time and watching it. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for all the subscribers. 22 now on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I appreciate all the likes and the views. Um, it's more, it's not okay. It's not more so that I want like more followers and stuff. It's more. I want more people to see like people's stories. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want people to like, yeah, guys, submit your stories, your questions, yeah, your experiences to what is it? What's the, Oh, links will be in Instagram. You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're not dumb here. Man, this guy sucks. at like plugging this <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think definitely quality of quantity. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you for watching. Um, next week will be episode five. Hopefully, oh. it will be Tiffany Tra. Hopefully, she promised me last week, and <laughs> if she... not, I'll see you guys again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If you want to be a guest on DM me, any of my friends are watching this, if you want to be a guest, happy to have you on. Or strangers, I feel like that'd be really fun. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No? Want... Dude, I shoot this at my house. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, they don't know that. What do you mean? No. I love this. is a great studio. If you're another hot Beng- Bengali girl, definitely. Find some ideas. <laughs> so you can yeah. be friends. Yeah. But yeah, look, yeah, thank you for watching. It's been a good, fun episode. Thank you, babe. Oh, Appreciate my pleasure. You. This has been a really lovely experience. Thank you. Feeling very reflective, very connected. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you guys. See you next week for episode Bye. five of Tiff.